Welcome to the Vocational Education Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Dan. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Vocational Education Podcast. I can't believe January's gone already. We're out there. It's, it's February. The school year has started. The cars are driving on the roads at that ungodly hour and packing up the roads full of back-to-schoolers and back-to-workers. Anyway... All that means for us is that our school year has also started. Vocational education usually has a bit of a break over December, January. When I say a break, yeah, it's time to gather our thoughts, prepare for the next year, get our new courseware together, get all our workbooks ready, get the room set up, all those things that we know we have to do for the next load of students coming through. And for those of us who are contracting your skills out there to other organizations, well, this is where we all get back to the grind. Now, I shouldn't refer to it as a grind because it's really enjoyable for most of us. That's why we're in the uh, in the industry. Today's discussion, what I'd like to talk to you about, is something that actually came up just briefly in my interview with Claire Field last month. More attention on inputs and adding more of them, trying to do that and use that to as a proxy for um, ensuring that there'll be a quality educational experience and people will uh, exit with the competencies or full qualification that you know the testimony attests to. Uh, and I think the reality is that that system is broken and more independent involvement in assessment, and again, this is an area that Joyce goes into, mm. um, is probably um, overdue. And that's around the whole concept of uh, profit-driven motivation behind vocational education. In my view, why that's very, very dangerous. I went to do a bit of research on this myself, and, and I looked at an article by UQ professor John Quiggan, and, uh, and he laid it out quite simply in his article uh, titled Why the Profit Motive Fails in Education with using some of the existing templates, things like the Vet Fee Help, Victorian Reforms, and just what we saw from that. If we as educators are driven by cost, then we are going to be looking at our profit margins and trying to maintain or improve those over time like any decent business person would. Now, maintaining or improving profit margins is based on a few simple strategic decisions. Are we a price leader? Are we a quality leader? What is our position in the market? Who are our intended audience? What are our marketing channels? How do we fund those channels? And all these things come into the, the play when we're trying to think about our specific direction as, a, as an organization. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those discussions and we shouldn't have roundtables with executives and external agencies to come up with the best solution for our organization. But if that's our motive, if that's a reason we're in business, you're going to get people who look at cutting corners. That is very, very natural. And it's, and it's when I say natural, it's naturally human to want to do that. And we've seen it across all industries. If there's an easier, cheaper way to do something, people are driven towards it for a chance of a profit. The, the thing that I discussed with Claire was my ideal world where education is there for education's sake. In other words, we're there to get better. We're there to improve knowledge. And in the higher education sector, I see that as our primary purpose. In the vet sector, I see skilling for jobs as our primary purpose. So if skilling for jobs is our primary purpose, we want to make sure that people who graduate from our particular organizations are skilled to the level that gets them employed. 
So they become productive. So they can do what we want them to do when they leave. And when they are employed by a suspecting employer who says, oh, they've got this qualification, they must be able to do this. Now, interestingly, uh, at a presentation I did last year, and I asked a question about the quality of graduates across Australia. I said, I think I asked the question, if someone graduated with a diploma of business, would you expect the quality of the outcome to be the same in Western Australia as it is in Victoria, as it is in Queensland? And there was a resounding no, because of all the variables. And those variables are things like the quality of the trainer, quality of the training facilities, the quality of the content provided, quality of the assessment, how long, how many chances do the people get to actually practice their skills before they uh, are found competent, etc. Uh, we have the basic guidelines within training.gov, within all the training packages to, to say what the minimum is, and we try to apply those, but the minimum is the minimum. It shouldn't be what we all aim to try and achieve. However, if we go back to the cost model again, if we try to do more, then it costs us more, us being both the RTOs and the students. And in a competitive marketplace, which is what the private RTO scheme is, you have to be competitive on cost as well as quality. Now, interestingly, a conversation came up between myself and uh, another RTO owner recently where they said, well, you know, you say you're a high quality provider, but really, how do you know you're that much better than anyone else? And that's the thing. I mean, how do we know if we are at the quality we think we are? Now we have things like quality indicators. Now a quality indicator uh, outside the standardized vet sector quality indicators, just within your own organization, a quality indicator is something that is a narrative or is a subjective view of how someone obtained and can use the skills and knowledge from your course. So quality could be inclusive of the facilitator's abilities to engage the classroom layout um, the online environment, if there is one, how the distance-based learning component of the training was handled. But as you can see, all of these tend to focus on the student's perception of what quality could be. And this gets us into a little conundrum as an RTO. Do we focus on pleasing the student or actually giving them the education they need to get the job they want or run the business they want? In the real world, I wouldn't assume these two things are too far apart. However, we have come across many situations where they are. Uh, a student might say, this is too hard. I'm finding this too difficult. doesn't matter how much effort is put in on behalf of the trainer or the assessor or uh, even the administration within the organization. The student gets to a point where they start to doubt whether the training they're undertaking is what they want to do. Now this is on the periphery. I don't think we should use this as a milestone uh, or a guideline as to how we conduct quality training. So let's take half a step back and go back to the quality indicators again. Let's design quality indicators internally that really focus on the aspects of our business that we know we can demonstrate. And let's list them. Those aspects are the quality of the facilitator. Okay, let's look at their background, their feedback, their training, their professional development, their time in the field, how often they go back to actually do work in the workplace to continue their currency. Are all these things in place? Now that is actually administered under the standards. So I would imagine most RTOs are aware, if not at least on top of those aspects of facilitator quality. Uh, one little caveat to that is you can attend a lot of professional development 
But if unless you're actually putting that into place um, and your focus as a professional to continuously improve, a lot of those things go to waste. But that's beside the point. We need to at least as, a, as an organization make sure those things are in place. The second thing is our content. Now, I've been exposed to content from dozens and dozens of training organizations. And I've looked at the quality of the content and the currency of the content. And overall, it's good. Now, I'm, I'm hesitating because I don't want to ever tarnish any one industry or, or any one provider with having outdated content because that, it, it's not up to me. It's up to the, the organization itself and, and the, the way they measure the quality of the outcomes before we start getting to that argument. However, as I said, I have been exposed to many and I've found that there are a number out there who are teaching things that perhaps um, are outdated no longer relevant to industry. And uh, we've seen this particularly in IT. I've had a lot of feedback from organizations delivering IT and also students undertaking IT courses that um, it's very, very difficult to stay on the cutting edge of what's what, what organizations are looking for in coders and, uh, and um, well, mainly coders, but also technicians. The other one is the, uh, the, the learning sector, which is my, my sector, and also seeing how there's a lot of focus still on outdated educational psychology that, that just simply doesn't apply anymore. That also translates into the business world. So all the business qualifications, there is still a lot of focus on testing that isn't scientifically rigorous. Um, again, I'm choosing my words carefully because they're very, very popular testing techniques that are included in a lot of VET courses. And finally, there's the assessment process itself. What are we doing in the assessment process? So content, yeah, facilitated, fine. Assessment process, what are we doing in that process to make sure that, that we are holding our students to task on what they have learned and what they can do skill-wise? I think the trades have this down better than most of the service industry qualifications. However, you know, the, there's a variety in all. So again, we shouldn't down any particular sector. Uh, generally speaking, you can't pass a trade without demonstrating that you can do what you're meant to do. But I have had feedback from some tradespeople saying that that's, uh, it's not like it used to be and the skills seem to be tarnished by attitude. <laughs> but I think we've all been there, done that. That aside, let's look at the other assessment methods. The one thing I would really like to see happen is um, moving away from minimum quantities like the training packages outline and look at what is actually sufficient. So if we go to our rules of evidence and we look at what sufficiency is, it's basically is, is the person or can the person demonstrate this skill or this knowledge sufficiently for the assessor who is a qualified professional can find them competent. And I often ask the question, you know, if would you think a teacher is qualified if they've only ever taught three classrooms? And that relates, obviously, to the TAE qualification. And I rarely get anybody saying, yeah, yeah, that's, that's plenty. We are in a position where we could elongate that to make sure there are more opportunities or maybe have some, like they do with psychology and nursing, have some uh, field work. But, but again, that's very difficult if the person doesn't have an organization they can do that field work within. Anyway, um, that's my rant. It's really based on quality. I would really love to see comments and feedback about how you maintain quality within your organization, how you measure it, how you ensure that the students that go through your college or your training organization end up with the real skills and knowledge to get work. I mean, is it a statistics thing? Is it like I've placed this many students or this percentage of students, therefore I must be doing the right thing? Or do you have some more uh, subjective qualitative data from, 
from the students themselves saying this was very valuable in me going forward in this industry or this uh, or even external to that industry but the skills i learned were very applicable i'd love to see it i'd love to see what we can amass and what we can um, share with others so that we all get to that point where our quality actually improves overall again that's what we're here for that's what the vocational education podcast is designed to do is to get you thinking and make you stand up and say we want a better quality industry that's it So I look forward to your comments, uh, emails to dan at spectraining.edu.au and uh, I will see you in March. Have a great February, everyone.